They're prominent, they're successful, and some are more than a little controversial. They're real South Africans on face-to-face with success. Brought to you by real people with real solutions. Nashua, saving you time, saving you money, putting you first. Listening to Face to Face with Success, I'm Nigiwe Bigicha. Advocate Tuli Madonzela is soft-spoken and appears timid, but that belies her steely resolve and razor-sharp mind. She's emerged as one of South Africa's leading champions for social justice and anti-corruption. We meet in her immaculate office for a chat as she prepares to end her term as public protector. As a little girl, is this what you imagined for yourself? Did you always want to get into the legal fraternity? I didn't always want to be a lawyer. I initially thought about many things that my parents and teachers encouraged me to pursue. And one of them was medicine. I only started thinking about law, I think, in my teens and middle teens and crystallized my ideas by the time I left high school. Did I know I was going to be successful? I think my parents always thought that I had a chance to make a difference. I had a chance to make a success of my life. That was the kind of um, encouragement I got from my parents throughout my life. And I think it's an encouragement that was given to all of us that we were born to uh, claim the space that life is giving to us and that we have the tools to succeed, whatever their concept of success may have been. Personally, I didn't consider myself to be successful until I was about maybe 33 or so. And I think for me it was not what I'd accomplished. It was a paradigm shift. Um, When you reflect on your life, you get to that point where life has exposed you to disciplines that make you look at your life uh, in terms of what you're grateful for, as opposed to always looking at what's lacking in your life. Mm -hmm. So that happened at 33. What happened at 33 to to give you that uh, shift? Um, Two things. Um, My partner passed away. And I bought a book for a friend of mine who was battling uh, HIV at the time. And after buying that book, it happened to be sitting on my lap one day, and I decided to read it. And having read it, it it changed my life. It was uh, a book by Louis Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. And basically... um, At the time, I was agnostic, actually. I had been a Christian, very, very um, religious as a young person. Then I became an atheist, total atheist, then agnostic. And when I read that book, it it brought me back to a sense of spirituality, Mm -hmm. although it's sort of Christian science as opposed to Christianity. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so you say that initially, in the early days, you'd thought about medicine, for example. What happened in your teens to sharpen um, your drive towards law? 
When I look back, I think it may have been June 16, and the fact that there was more talk after that on the legal system and what the law can do to change lives and to achieve social justice. Also after June 16, there was more discussion in society about the liberation movement, uh, about people like Nelson Mandela, what they stood for and what happened, Bram Fischer. And, and over the years, I also um, was exposed to the work that was being done at the time by Priscilla Jana, who represented a lot of the activists, political activists, and later the work that had been done by people like Charlotte McLeague, even though she wasn't a lawyer, but uh, had expressed some thoughts on the justice system and how it could be reformed. Mm -hmm. How do you think um, practicing law has helped you fulfill some of those earlier concerns about injustice in South Africa? As a young lawyer, I had an opportunity to trigger a events that rescued people from the death penalty. Working in the early stages of my life, I've been involved in law reform from my time at VATS to my time at the Department of Justice Law Reform Commission. And here is a pub protector. I've also had an opportunity again to use the law to transform society and close the gap when it comes to social justice. I think my entire life has been around social justice, mostly in issues of gender, race, disability, and to a certain extent, um, HIV and mental disability. Uh, so you have become a household name in South Africa, mostly through your work as the public protector. Um, you're coming towards the end of your term. What has been the best part of being the public protector and what's been the worst? The best part has been the ability to restore people's lives instantly through mostly the ADR cases where we conciliate between government and people who have been wronged by abuse of state power and to a certain extent resources and the opportunity to sit around the table and make a difference in, in people's life has been, for me, um, the highlight. And also to work with the team and, and see the team grow in embracing its incredible mission and to rejoice with the team whenever members of the team have restored lives on their own. I think those, for me, have been moments I will never forget. Mm -hmm. I think the lowest point has been the politics and perhaps because the extent of those politics is something I had not anticipated. I knew there was going to politics because my colleagues, my predecessors warned me. Mm -hmm. But some of the things that were said and done, I didn't expect. But also I think there were times when really I was thrown a, a curveball. Mm -hmm. Well, I really didn't expect that reaction. The reaction to against the rules mm -hmm. of the subs leases um, was totally disproportionate to the decision I had made and the fallout 
was confusing to me, but I had to grow and, and get wiser in the process. <laughs> Same thing with Nkandla. I really thought it was a set um, occurrence, but in terms of how we had handled mm -hmm. The situation, we thought that the report, we had been compassionate enough to those affected, was being firm enough on the responsibilities of those who have to exercise stewardship over state resources and public power. And what has strengthened you or guided you in those times of difficulty, which of course were quite um, high profile as well and played out in the public space? My my spiritual discipline, I'm, I'm a Christian. Firstly, um, my own church, Headful Christian Church, was there for me throughout the times and providing support. Mm. And then the entire Christian community and faith community. And of course, my family has been a rock. And in the beginning, I even worried about the fact that my children um, became the support system. They thought it was their job to make sure that I feel comfortable and it's supposed to be the other way around. It was supposed to be my role as a parent to be the rock mm -hmm. that they can uh, hang on to when life storms yeah. uh, challenge them. My friends and of course this team here, the Power Protector team, it's an incredible team. Um, I mean, it's gotten to a point of death threats um, at some stage. Has that unnerved you, uh, or do you feel safer now? I do feel safer. I was concerned about the death threats mm -hmm. because much as I believe that my life is in the hands of God and that I will only die when God agrees that it's time to go, I cannot throw myself under a bus sure. and say, <laughs> if it's not my time, then God is going to rescue me. Yes, uh, when the whistleblower said something was being plotted, my team and I took that information to the relevant authorities because it is an allegation and we don't know how true is it, but we thought some of them needed to take a look at it. Okay. Back to our theme then of success. What has being successful taught you? It's taught me the fact that success comes with enormous responsibility. Each stage of success increases your sphere of influence. And with increased sphere of influence, there's, uh, there's a huge responsibility and huge expectations mm -hmm coupled with accountability. So what's next for Tulimata? A very long holiday. <laughs> it's going to be about 14, 15 months. A 15-month holiday, but I will be writing during that holiday a personal story, a legal book on administrative law, and hopefully studying. Maybe, um, not maybe, I am planning to um, to finish my, uh, my studies. Okay. Thereafter, I will be practicing as a lawyer. Okay. What are you studying? Teaching what law. You, what are you going to be studying? Um, I will be uh, completing my master's, okay. which I have abandoned <laughs> twice. We all go through it. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> my, my LLM, I have abandoned it. I did it with verse. I did it with with UP. Well, I then tried to register again with UP the third time. <laughs> 
<laughs> they agreed. I got, I, I got a supervisor and everything, mm-hmm. and just I, I just couldn't yes, proceed with it. Is immense and, yeah. and helpful. And well, not not helpfully. I mm-hmm. am very clear uh, uh, that I will complete mm-hmm. that, okay. and 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 then practice law full yeah. time. So finally, then for young people who look up to you, who women especially, even what would be your three pieces of advice? them as they make their way through this life? Well, I would say to any woman or person for that matter, try to establish the purpose of your existence and follow that path to the best of your ability. Two, always do what you must do so that life can give you the space to do the things you'd like to do. And lastly, life will throw curveballs at you and don't allow life to make you better and uh, forgive. Stay on track in terms of your dreams and your vision of life. You've been listening to Face to Face with Success. I'm Nigiwe Bigicha. successful and some are more than a little controversial they're real south africans on face-to-face with success brought to you by real people with real solutions nashua saving you time saving you money putting you first find more real success stories at the solutions lab.co.za